0: Good evening, everybody. Um, As Steve says, we're in Ruth chapter 3 this evening. Uh, So if you'd like to open your Bibles, if you've got a church Bible, it's on page 223. And I'll begin the reading at verse 1. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not seek rest for you, that it may be well with you? Is not Boaz our relative, with whose young women you were? See, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Wash, therefore, and anoint yourself, and put on your cloak, and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies. Then go and uncover his feet, and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. And she replied, All that you say I will do. So she went down to the threshing floor, and did just as her mother-in-law had commanded her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. Then she came softly and uncovered his feet and lay down. At midnight, the man was startled and turned over, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. He said, Who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. And he said, May you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first, in that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask, for all all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. And now it is true that I am a redeemer, yet there is a redeemer nearer than I. Remain tonight, and in the morning he will redeem you. If he will redeem you, good, let him do it. But if he is not willing to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down until the morning. So she lay at his feet until the morning, but arose before one could recognize another. And he said, Let it not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. And he said, Bring the garment that you are wearing and hold it out. So she held it, and he measured out six measures of barley and put it on her. Then she went into the city. And when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, How did you fare, my daughter? Then she told her all that the man had done for her, saying, These six measures of barley he gave to me, for he said to me, You must not go back empty-handed to your mother-in-law. She replied, Wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out, for the man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. What is the greatest commandment? This is a question that the Lord Jesus was asked, and he replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it love your neighbor as yourself. Now, both these great commandments are about relationships. Our primary relationship as in this first and greatest commandment, is with the Lord our God. And that's the case whether we recognize it or whether we don't recognize it. We're commanded to love him with all our heart, soul, and mind. Now, how seriously we take that relationship will affect either positively or negatively all the other relationships that we have, because it will affect how seriously we take that second of the great commandments love your neighbor as yourself it's all very simple isn't it two commandments both about relationships one loving the Lord our God and one loving the people around us it should be all very simple but as we've heard prayed this evening it's it's impossible and it's particularly impossible and if you, if you have not come in repentance and faith to the Lord Jesus Christ, it is absolutely impossible. But for the people of God, it should be possible that by coming to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we're brought into a, a covenant relationship, a relationship with the living God, with our Father in heaven, with the Lord Jesus, the eternal Son, and with uh, the Holy Spirit. From that time onwards, we are part of the the people of God and that we can lay claim to all the promises that the Lord has made uh, for his people. Many promises and great promises. So as we we start, I want to ask the question, do we? Do we lay claim to those things? Do we take seriously uh, the need to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul, with all our strength? Do we live our lives based around the promises of of God? Do we refer to him continuously as we go about our lives? Or do we allow ourselves to drift, to go through the motions? Steve was challenging us in that way this morning, and it's interesting that I'm starting by challenging us in the same very way. We all have lots of different relationships, don't we? From the moment we're born, we we grow up with different relationships and we have different responsibilities and we get different benefits and blessings from those different relationships. We know that living in a fallen world, that those relationships aren't always good. Sometimes we make them not good and sometimes it's the other person that makes them not good. But we know that with our relationship with the Lord, it's never him that makes our relationship bad or not good That the lord deals with his people uh, with kindness he deals with his people with with love he deals with his people with grace he deals with his people with mercy these are, are words that we use repeatedly don't we we read them in in the word of god all the time these are sweet words they are wonderful words and they are words that are all used uh, in our english version of the bible to translate uh, one hebrew word that is uh, key to the uh, the book of ruth so as we look together at this chapter this evening i want us uh, to see uh, that the lord's covenant kindness mercy love grace is what should change the way that we live our lives it should be what draws us to him it should be what we um we base our foundation on that we know that we are saved because of it we are protected because of it he will provide uh, for us because of it and that he uses those same means to change us that we might become more like the lord jesus christ so firstly the lord's covenant kindness draws us uh, to him this Hebrew word that I mention is a word hesed it's a word that is a deeply covenantal word it's an important word uh, to uh, to the Hebrews to the Israelites it comes up repeatedly in the Old Testament some 250 times and in the in the Hebrew Bible it's always the same word but There's no real English word, one single English word, that we can use to describe what this means. And so our English versions use all sorts of words to try and and encapsulate what is being spoken of. Things like mercy, goodness, love, steadfast love, loving kindness, unfailing, they're very encouraging words. They all say, come to me. Come to me. And in the book of Ruth, this word appears uh, three times, once in chapter 1, once in chapter 2, and once in chapter 3. And uh, each time, uh, the idea of kindness is associated with it. But this word is, is used as the Lord describes himself. We know that in Exodus chapter 34, after the incident with the golden calf, that, that Moses asked the Lord to reveal himself uh, to him. And the Lord said, "The Lord, the Lord, a merciful and gracious a God, merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, hesed, and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love, hesed, for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression, and sin." That it's the word that David used when he came to the Lord after having uh, sinned with Bathsheba. That he came and said, have mercy on me, O God, according to your hesed, your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. David knew that he couldn't come appealing on the basis of the law. He had broken God's law, but he came appealing on the basis of God's character shown through his covenant with Israel. So I want to suggest that this word is is important in our, our passage in chapter 3. But as we um, walk back through chapters 1 and 2, I just want to see how it develops and leads to uh, where we get to. So I'm sure you all remember the story. The story is a, a great story, isn't it? It's a, it's a story that we can really um, understand. Um, we see that um, Naomi um, sets off um, having been taken out of Israel by her husband and the family and things are all go- seemingly t- going well. The wives um, are found for their sons and so on. And then we know that disaster strikes and that um, Naomi's husband dies and the husbands of the two wives die we're told that Naomi sets off. She goes back with these Moabite wives, Orpah and Ruth. And they head off back to go to, to Bethlehem because they've heard that the harvest is, is coming in. But she tells them uh, to go home, saying, may the Lord deal kindly with you, this word, Hesse, as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband, speaking of, of a new husband, uh, that they would receive. Notice that Naomi speaks in this covenantal language to them, even though they are um, Moabites. They have been brought into their family and have had uh, Hebrew husbands. And as we know, Orpah decides to go off, and Naomi says that she will um, cling to Ruth. For where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God, we're told, she says. But then notice after that in verse uh, 17, uh, she says, May the Lord do do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. That's covenantal-type language, isn't it? It's strong language. She's... Saying that she is wedded to the idea of being with uh, her mother-in-law, Naomi, even though the prospects aren't, aren't great of if she goes to a, a foreign land with a widow as a widow, both uh, poor and uh, Ruth being a, a foreigner herself. But Ruth has seen something of the, the covenant kindness that, that God shows to his people, And it causes her to come uh, to him and to go with Naomi. So when they arrive back in Bethlehem, we're told, aren't we, that that Naomi wants to be called Mara instead, bitter. And she says, the Lord has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full and the Lord brought me back empty. So despite Ruth being with her, she speaks of herself being empty. That would have been awkward, wouldn't it, for, for Ruth standing there? she left she says she left i went away full and the lord brought me back the lord caused me to repent to return so she's noticed that the lord is involved in her life that he's the reason that she has gone back and that ruth has gone back with her and then in chapter two we see that, that Ruth has this idea of, of going and cleaning in a, in a field, and she strangely says that she thinks that she'll fi- find favor in the eyes of whoever's field it is. And that's what happens. Boaz shows Ruth grace, shows her kindness, shows her uh, special treatment. You'd almost expect the opposite to happen because she's a, a foreigner. And yet that shows that Boaz was, was walking with the Lord, that he was soft-hearted towards those that the Lord is soft-hearted towards. And we're told, aren't we, many places, that the Lord loves foreigners, that he loves the alien, he loves the, the fatherless, he loves the, the widow, he loves the poor. Well, Ruth could tick off three of those, couldn't she? And so it's no surprise, is it, that boaz as a a a righteous or a worthy man shows uh, ruth this grace and kindness but he goes beyond that and he gives her a a gift to take home doesn't he and and that goes uh, back to naomi at which point she sees that this gift from boaz is a sign of the lord's covenant kindness to her listen to what she says may he be blessed by the lord speaking about boaz whose kindness or has not forsaken the living or the dead but that's her response to uh, to Ruth coming back with this gift from uh, from uh, uh, from Boaz and that she says it's the Lord that's given this may he be may he bless Boaz because he has shown uh, kindness to me And so we see a, a sort of turning point as we go into chapter three that that Naomi is very Suddenly, very attuned with what's going on, and that she she sees that the Lord's hand is in all that is is happening, and so she comes up with this um, idea, this plan for Ruth that we uh, read of in the first five chapter, uh, five verses of chapter three. She says, "My daughter, should I not seek rest for you? It may that it may be well with you." You see, she's gone from having Ruth stand next to her and say, "I'm empty." she's not even here and you notice that the people that that met with her ignored ruth as well it was as if she was a non-entity and she's gone from that point to to now saying i'm going to find a way to provide for you i have a, a plan for you and it seems to be because of what the lord has shown her his kindness that he's shown her through uh, through boaz so Naomi tells Ruth the plan and, and what she is to do. She's the one that knows the, the, the laws of Israel. She's the one that knows uh, that Boaz has an obligation towards, uh, towards Ruth. And, and so she instructs her to go and make herself clean and neat and, and so on and go down to the threshing floor to see Boaz. And she's told that she's not to reveal her plan, essentially, before um, Boaz has eaten and drunk and Naomi says that Boaz will know what to do and the reason she's saying that is because he would know what is right to do by God's law she's seen that he is um, he is a righteous man he is a, a worthy man and he's seeking to honor the Lord so Ruth promises to do everything that Naomi said showing that there's there's nothing sinful or strange about this planet. It, it, it sounds strange to us, doesn't it, when we read what the planet is. But Naomi wouldn't put Ruth in harm's way. Ruth wouldn't go and do what was uh, sinful. And so we can be confident that um, our understanding of the culture is perhaps the, the thing that is, is missing. So we see the, the Lord moving um, uh, Naomi and, and Ruth, and them seeing his kindness uh, in drawing them closer to him. That they seem to get more confident, don't they? As his kindness is revealed, they seem to get more confident uh, that he will uh, provide for them and, and keep them. And perhaps that's somewhere where we get tripped up that we can read about the Lord's grace, we can read about the Lord's kindness, we can read about the Lord's love, and then we can swiftly forget about it when circumstances change. That we miss that the Lord is working in our lives. This book reminds us that the Lord is working in our lives, even behind the scenes, in many different ways. Maybe it's that we're not looking for it. That we don't see because we don't look that we don't see the kindness uh, that we are shown daily in the lord jesus now if you're a christian this evening clearly you know that you've been shown kindness that you've been brought into a covenant relationship with our triune god through faith in the lord jesus that there's no other way in is there we don't deserve anything that he has just shown his uh, kindness uh, towards us but it's far more than that isn't it that when we come and trust in christ we we perhaps come being aware of our sin asking for forgiveness but we are given so many other things that draw us to him that we're we're given things like the gift of prayer we're given things like his word to read We're given brothers and sisters in Christ to to help us and encourage us just as we've been reminded as we read all those chapters in Ephesians I thought to myself the application for this sermon is do all that stuff that we read in Ephesians chapter 4 to 6 but I've often thought to myself why, why am I so reticent to pray why am I slow to pray why am I so slow to believe the Lord's promises why is that and and when we do lose sight of of the lord's goodness and kindness and grace how is it that we come back to him it's not that we come back being dragged is it or or beaten in some way but we are brought back to him when we see signs of his kindness or are reminded of signs of his love and his grace maybe it's by a, a brother or sister saying something to us just a word of gentleness or a word of of grace jesus says in matthew chapter 11 these uh, wonderful words come to me all you who are weary and burdened and i will give you rest take your yoke upon you, upon me take my yoke upon you and learn from me for i am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light Jesus is speaking to people that are struggling, that are going through hard times and so on, and he says, come to me. Only come to me. The Lord's covenant kindness is to draw us uh, to him, firstly. And then secondly, the Lord's covenant kindness saves us, provides for us, protects us. Again, we've just been reminded of that as we've read about the armor of, of God. That when the Lord saves us, he provides means for us by which we can grow and we can be protected and kept. Ruth goes to the threshing floor in verse 6 of our passage and she goes there and she finds that Boaz is eating and drinking with his servants. Shows something again of his character, doesn't it? His humility and his generosity towards them, uh, that he will meet with those that are are of a lower standing than him. She waits until Boaz has, has finished eating and drinking and go to bed. We're told that his heart was merry, as the ESV says. I think it's just the word good. His heart was good. He was glad. And once Boaz is asleep, Ruth lies down at his feet and covers them, And then he wakes up with a a shock at midnight and finds Ruth there sleeping at his feet. Now, this would have been a a risky thing to have done if they didn't know Boaz's character. And certainly Naomi wouldn't have have suggested this as a plan if if, um, Boaz was not um, known uh, for his good character. So Boaz wakes up and he says, who are you? And she answers, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. So when he awoke, he asks her, who are you? And she simply answers, I am Ruth, your servant. But then she goes beyond Naomi's plan and asks Boaz to spread his wings over her, for he is a redeemer. This is a a marriage proposal uh, from uh, uh, from Ruth to Boaz, by asking Boaz to spread his wings over her, she's asking him to, to marry her. he 's asking him to, be, uh, to become the one that will provide for her and protect her. In fact, that's exactly what Boaz said that he wanted for Ruth back in, in chapter two. Boaz said, "The Lord repay you for what you've done, and a full reward be given." You by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have sought refuge. There's an interesting point. Sometimes the things that we pray, we become the answer to our prayers. We have noticed noticed in, uh, in the gospel where uh, Jesus tells the disciples to pray uh, that the Lord would raise up laborers to send out into the harvest field. We notice what comes immediately after that. Jesus sends out the disciples. In twos. Mm. They were the answer to their own prayer. But of course it's still under uh, the Lord's grace and his kindness. Now the wings have, uh, were symbolic of protection, but they're also linked to, uh, to the temple, to the, the mercy seat. You remember the, the cherubim's wings were over uh, the place where the ark would be. Um, so the, the mercy seat. And so there's an element of salvation in in there, an element of provision, protection. But again, it is a a God-centered phrase, a Lord-centered phrase. She knows that he trusts uh, the Lord and wants to live to please him. So she knows that he will want to keep the commandment. She says to him, you're a, a redeemer, And she knows that he knows what that means. Again, Ruth being a a foreigner, a a Moabite, was potentially a major problem here, but not so for Boaz. Do you know who Boaz's mum was? I'm going to pause long enough to see make you think I'm actually asking you. Rahab. Well... Again, what an amazing providence uh, for Ruth, uh, that the one that that the Lord provides for her, Boaz, knows what it is to have a foreigner in the family and then be brought into the people of Israel. She was a Canaanite you know she resided in in Jericho. And so he he understands, Boaz understands the, the difficulties and the And all that is needed in that circumstance. What about us? Well, we are saved by coming into covenant with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. It's interesting just using that word covenant, isn't it? We hardly use that word these days. I realize that the one time we use it is at the Lord's Supper, and we're reminded of the new covenant in Jesus' blood. And that's a, a wonderful reminder, isn't it? It keeps bringing us back to the cross, keeps bringing us back to who Christ is and, and what he has done for us, that he, he saves us and that he provides for us and that he protects us and keeps us. Indeed, we have that precious promise, don't we? I will never leave you nor forsake you. Jesus doesn't add us to his people to then cast us off later on. We're told that it was before the world was created that we were chosen in Christ. That's extraordinary, isn't it? What kindness and love and grace uh, the Lord shows to us. I was reading yesterday in Acts chapter 9 and I was struck again at how the lord jesus says to saul 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 why are you persecuting me not why are you persecuting my church or why are you persecuting my people but why are you persecuting me and then saul says who are you lord and he says i am jesus who you are persecuting you can't get away from the fact that 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 jesus identifies with his people He loves his people. He is working with his people. He provides for us. He is intimately involved in our lives. You see, maybe you've come this evening and you are struggling at a moment. You're struggling in one area of life or another. You're struggling and it's affecting what you think of the Lord, just as Steve was telling us not to do this morning. Not allow our circumstances to change our understanding of the doctrines of the Bible. But maybe that's the situation you're in. Well, be encouraged that we are far more dear to the Lord Jesus than we realize. We mean far more to him. We're far more precious. That Jesus thinks about us. He cares about us. He provides for us. That he protects us these are extraordinary things aren't they and again none of them because of what we do not because we are good at this or good at that or good at the other but because he has set his love upon us we love him because he loved us first it's extraordinary isn't it That he is so kind to us and particularly when we're so Up and down we're so inconsistent in how we um show him our love and how we live for him so the lord's covenant kindness saves us provides for us protects us and then finally uh, the lord's covenant kindness changes us so naomi ruth and boaz all act so differently than what we would be led to expect Given that we're told at the end of Judges that everybody did what was right in their own eyes, that there's lawlessness everywhere. And as we were reminded the other day, that the end of Judges uses that exact expression, doesn't it? And then leads into uh, to the book of Ruth. But Boaz is different. He's wandering around Israel in the time of the Judges, but how does he uh, speak? When he greets his workers he says the lord be with you he wants them to be blessed he doesn't just want blessing for himself he wants his workers to be blessed and notice that's the first thing that he says uh, to ruth after she says spread your wings over your servant for you are a redeemer he says may you be blessed by the lord my daughter may you be blessed by the lord What a wonderful thing for him to say. From the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so Boaz speaks words of of blessing, pointing her to uh, the Lord. His response to Ruth's marriage proposal is to ask the Lord to, to bless her. And then astonishingly, Boaz then thanks Naomi for asking him to marry her. You notice that in uh, the next in the next verse i oh, saw in the, the the end of that verse you have made this last kindness greater than the first in that you have not gone after young men whether poor or rich and that's where that word kindness uh, heseth comes up again that what he's uh, seeing there is is that ruth is expressing kindness towards him by by wanting to do what the lord wants that she is uh, doing what is right by uh, the God of Israel. And he sees it as a kindness to her and the Lord's kindness uh, sorry to him, rather, and a Lord's kindness uh, to him. He goes on and says, Now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask. For all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. Again, It's a striking word, isn't it? Boaz is described as a worthy man at the beginning of chapter 2. And Ruth is described as a worthy woman here. Why are they worthy? It's because the Lord is changing them, has changed them. They have responded to his kindness, that they've trusted him, that they are seeking to walk in his ways. interesting that in the, the the hebrew bible that it's the book of proverbs that appears before ruth not judges and if you know proverbs at all the last part of chapter 31 is the description of the woman of noble or worthy character and it includes this verse she opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue and yes that word kindness again is this Covenant word of Hesed. Ruth demonstrates covenant kindness to Boaz in her willingness to marry him. He sees this as a, as a wonderful thing, and so he says, I will do all that you ask me. He's not concerned about marrying a, a foreigner or anything like that. He says, You're known as a worthy woman. The townsfolk, I think, is the elders at the gate a type idea which is again referred to in Proverbs 31 in the description of the woman of worthy character. So we see that the Lord is is changing these people that he that they are different from the people around them because of his covenant kindness to them. See after this conversation that they agree that it's not good for Ruth to leave. Because it's dark and it's dangerous and so on, and so she stays, but then she leaves. And when it's light enough to not be recognised, but light enough to travel carefully, and Boaz again sends her away with a gift uh, for uh, for Naomi. And it seems a, a huge amount. We're told it's six six portions, and um, whatever the portion is, but we're told that he helps her lift it onto her. So it's obviously a significant amount. And when she gets back. She chats with Naomi, and Naomi asks her, who are you, my daughter? The same question that uh, Boaz asked her. I think this time it's because she's asking, has Boaz agreed to marry you? Are you you now his wife? And so Ruth explains the story. And then in seeing this gift of grace again, that that Naomi uh, realizes that the Lord is in control and says uh, that uh, Boaz will sort the matter out quickly. She sees that the phrase that Naomi, uh, sorry, that Ruth uses, is that Boaz said that he didn't want her to go home empty-handed uh, to your mother-in-law. It's the word "empty" that that, um, that Naomi called herself; that she is empty, and so again she sees that the Lord is the one that is orchestrating uh, these things, and that she can have her confidence in Him. So just as Boaz and Naomi and Ruth were not like the people around them, uh, so we're not to be like the people around us. Again, that passage in Ephesians started with that, didn't it? Don't be like the Gentiles who dot, 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 dot but be like this. We are people that are shown extraordinary love and kindness and grace, and that should change us, shouldn't it? But these things work as we work together. Notice that the Lord has brought these three people, Ruth and Naomi and Boaz, together, and they have been an encouragement to one another and have seen the Lord working as they, their lives intersect. And that should be the case for us too, shouldn't it? The Lord hasn't put us on our own. He's put us together as a, a church family. And that's an extraordinary blessing. To know that we can pray for one another. To know that we can encourage one another. We can help one another. We can rebuke one another when that's needed. That we take seriously doing those things. Again, that's what Ephesians 4, 5, and 6 was telling us to do, wasn't it? If we know Christ and if we see his Kindness towards us it changes us and it changes how we deal with uh, one another We are to love one another as Christ loves the church We are to look for ways that the Lord is blessing us as Naomi did and and to, To give him thanks, but also to encourage one another by pointing those things out We know don't we that when somebody does that it lifts our hearts And it causes us to give thanks to the Lord. So, as I conclude, I want us to be encouraged. We have every reason to be encouraged, don't we? We have an awesome God who loves us, who has made wonderful promises to us. Ones that we can't even break by our foolishness and our sinfulness and that's not to say we should do those things but you understand don't you that he is so good to us that he has chosen us before we did anything good we would never served him we'd never pleased him and yet he chose us so come to him cling to him remind yourselves daily of his goodness to you remind yourself of his grace his love and his mercy and his kindness, of how he saves us and keeps us, protects us, and provides for us, and how he works in us, and I mean, us as a, a church, that we might be changed to be more like him. Amen.